Good morning. I'm excited to be with y'all today because I get to stay here in Sanford today. I've been traveling the last few weeks to speak at different churches all throughout the state. So I only had to go 15 minutes down the road today. So I'm so glad to be with y'all. That's not the only reason I'm glad to be with y'all, okay? Let me backtrack a little. That's not the only reason I'm glad to be with y'all. No, I am very excited uh, to be with you here this morning for many reasons, um, and one of which is that I get to share, uh, first and foremost, about my love for missions, my love for WMU, and the impact that it's had on me, um, just as, as much it's had such an impact on me, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Mary Holly gave me such a wonderful introduction, such a fancy introduction, and I always never know what to put in those things, <laughs> because, and, and she's known me for some time, I always feel like they make you feel a little bit more fancy than they really are, so um, you'll probably tell I'm not that fancy by the end of the sermon today. But my name is Amanda Martinson, and I am so excited to be with you here this morning to talk about Unshakable Pursuit. Um, my husband, Brian, and I do have a, a six-year-old and a three-year-old. My daughter is right down here in front. My three-year-old is over in the children's program, probably terrorizing the other children. Hopefully not. Um, no, they look very innocent in that picture. Um, they're about 80% innocent, about 20, <laughs> 20% a little mischievous at times. I love what I get to do at WMU. Um, I did work at the Coalition for Families for eight years before the Lord called me into full-time ministry. And so I was obedient to him and, and transitioned to work um, out of town and commute every day to Raleigh to the office there. But I love what I get to do at WMU. What I'm um, responsible for a lot of the time is training up our new leaders. So if you have a church um, that has uh, act teams that they're starting or children in action or women on mission or adults on mission, I'm the person that they come to to get started. And I walk them through that. And I'm over training all of our church leaders across the state. Um, WMU North Carolina serves about 5,000 churches throughout the state of North Carolina. So we have a big job to do, um, but it's a job that we love to do. And so I love getting to combine my love of missions with my love of training leaders and, and just helping them to see what has God purpose for them to do and how can we help them and provide them those resources. So I love what I get to do with WMU because I think that missions is for everyone. I really do. I think that Jesus was serious when he told us to go out and make disciples who then make disciples of all the nations. And so I love that I get to be with you and to celebrate the work of WMU and to hear about what you're doing. That's one of my favorite things to do is to be able to come to local churches and hear the things that you're doing, like working with the bread basket and all the different ministries that you have here. And so that's one of my favorite parts of the job is getting to hear you who are on the front lines, really, of ministry and mission work and, and how you do that. And so I'm excited to have heard a lot about that already this morning and to share share a little bit more about that with you, a little bit about what we do as well this morning. So what does unshakable pursuit mean? What does that mean when we're looking at God's unshakable pursuit of us and our unshakable pursuit of him? That's what I want us to look at this morning. I want us to look at how this theme, unshakable pursuit, applies to our everyday lives. And I just want you to think about for a minute, when you hear that word, when you hear unshakable, what do you think about? You don't have to answer out loud, but what do you think about when you hear that word unshakable? What about the word pursuit? What do you think about when you hear that word pursuit? That's what we're going to unpack in our time together this morning. So have you ever thought about this? 
Have you ever thought that since the dawn of time, God has been pursuing a personal relationship with us? That before he even spoke light into the world, it was always part of his plan for us to be in relationship with him and for him to provide a way for us to be in relationship with him. I think that's so amazing when we think about it like that. So what does that mean for God to pursue us and for us to be in unshakable pursuit of God? So if you've got your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And it says this. There are several different versions of this. But we'll look at two different versions this morning. The first one is, Therefore, my dear friends, stand firm and don't be shaken. Always keep busy working for the Lord. You know that everything you do for him is worthwhile. This is uh, what it says in my translation. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay firmly planted. Be unshakable. Do many good works in the name of God and know that all of your labor is not for nothing when it is for God. And we have Paul here in Corinth as he's, as he's writing this, and he is surrounded by people with all kinds of different worldviews and ideologies and beliefs and theologies of how things should be and how things should go. He's getting reports back from the church in Corinth that there's division among this church, that believers are treating each other terribly, that some are even denying Jesus' resurrection. I mean, it really is just a mess when you look at it. Does that at all sound familiar to what we're facing in our world today? All kinds of different ideologies, beliefs, and theologies on what, what's right and what should be. Paul's world really was not that different from the world that we have here today. And when I look at Paul and I think, if there is anyone who I am going to take advice from who has earned the right to instruct us to be steadfast in our work for the Lord, it is Paul. Paul was imprisoned, he was beaten, he was chained, he was stoned, he was persecuted. I mean, the list really does go on of the things that he had to endure. So if there's anyone that I'm going to take a note from on standing firm in my faith, I'm going to take it from Paul. And when I read his words, when, when we read his words here, I want it to challenge us today. I want it to challenge us to be believers who stand firm like this, who are unshakable in our pursuit of God. So there's three things that I want us to unpack today and to look at. When it comes to unshakable pursuit, I want us to look at these three things. To know God more, to show his love unconditionally, and to make disciples who make disciples. So let's look at this first one together. Let's unpack this a little bit. To know God more. God calls us as his followers to an unshakable pursuit relationship. And that begins with knowing him first. One of the ways that God has pursued me is through WMU. He has shown me that I have a passion for, for missions and for working with leaders. And through WMU, he has shown me over time the ways that he's wanted to use me. And then he's pursued me in other personal struggles and certainly trying seasons of my life. And you can probably see this in your own life at times, times when you think that could only have been God that did that. Hard seasons maybe that you've come through. Can you think of these times when God was pursuing a deeper relationship with you? Maybe calling you even into a, a deeper place with him. 
Maybe it's a season where he asked you to take on a new leadership role, which can be a little scary at times, or step back from a new leadership role at times. To mentor someone, to write or to speak or to organize an event or a ministry project. When we open ourselves up to the pursuit of God, we're opening ourselves up to a lifetime of adventure with him. It's a lifetime of obedience, a lifetime of complete trust and faith. Knowing God more starts with recognizing where he's working and where he's moving in our own lives and then joining him in that work. And I think Paul was such a great example of this, really. He had an intimate relationship with God. And I think that's why when he would go through all these hard trials and he would go through these different struggles when he was in the faith, he was able to stand firm because he knew his father and he knew him well. But God wants that same relationship with us. I have faced difficult times, hard times in my life. I'm sure you all have too. I mean, we all do at some point walk through hard seasons. But I want us to think, are we able to be like Paul, so intimately connected to God, our Father, that when we go through hard trials and hard seasons, we're still able to point others to him and glorify God? Are we pursuing God in return? I often think we really make knowing God more a lot more complicated than it needs to be. It really doesn't have to be that complicated. It's making a daily choice to choose him, to serve him. And I think a lot of times we think that our pursuit of God ends at the altar when we make a decision to follow Christ, but that's really just the beginning. That's the first step to a lifetime of a personal relationship with God. It's every day saying that I choose to live for you and then really living for him, really pursuing him, chasing him down, laying down those things that hinder us from doing that. I love Hebrews 12.1, and it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I love that verse. That can be hard for us at times because we are creatures of comfort. We like to be comfortable A lot of times we like to eat the same things at our favorite restaurants because we know that they're good. At least I do. I know it's going to be good. A lot of times we even like to sit in our our same spot in our church pews. This happened a couple weeks ago at an evening service. We always sit on the left side, this side, of our church. And when I went to go drop my girls off and I came out to join the evening service, my husband was on this side. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I thought I'd mix it up and we could sit on this side. I was like, we don't mix it up. We sit on this side. (laughs) And he's like, it's fine. Like, let's just mix it up. We'll sit over here. It's fine. I was like, we don't mix it up. And he said, well, fine. Let's just, we'll just get up. And I said, well, we can't move now. Everyone will know. (laughs) Everyone will know. So then we sat on there, and I just didn't feel right about it the whole service, you know. (laughs) That's a little thing. But that was something that I thought, whoa, 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 this is sort of out of my comfort zone here. We sit on this side. Seems like such a small thing, but we're so guilty about doing this. We're, such, we're so guilty about being creatures of comfort. We really don't like to be uncomfortable. But pursuing God means that you have to step out of your comfort zone. 
It means that maybe you serve in roles or you start ministries that you maybe never dreamed of starting. Working with people that are vastly different from you. Doing things that you never thought that you would do. That's all involved in stepping out of your comfort zone. And God will open up opportunities for you to do this. He certainly did for me when he called me out of nonprofit work from a secular perspective and called me into ministry. That was something that was completely out of my comfort zone. And I mean, we, I had daily conversations with the Lord about it. <laughs> Are we sure this is what we're doing? Yeah. It's that obedience that we talk about. God is going to open up doors for you to step out of your comfort zone and serve him. Are you willing to follow him? Are you willing to stand firm and step out in faith? Knowing God more and having that deeper relationship with him first really does lead to a pouring out in our lives. It pours out in other ways. And I think that one of the biggest ways that we do this is by showing our love unconditionally to others. And that's the second thing we're going to look at. Showing his love unconditionally. Knowing God empowers us to show his love unconditionally. I mean, it it transforms us. It should, right? But how many of you know that it's actually really hard to love someone unconditionally? Because when we say we love someone unconditionally, we mean that we're loving them without any terms, without any limits, without any condition. Now, it's easy for me to say this about my children. I love my children unconditionally. There's nothing that you could do that wouldn't make me stop loving you. Maybe we think about other aspects of love in unconditional ways. Our spouse, hopefully, right, most of the time. Our spouse, our our church family, our friends. There's so many different ways that we can show that love unconditionally to people. But what about the people that don't look like us or who are not from where we're from or from different environments? And this is where missions comes in. This is us as believers being commissioned to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's looking for ways that we can love on the people around us and show them God's love. And I think even Claudia mentioned this before, and I know that you know this, but more than ever before, the world is watching Christians. They are watching us. They are watching us to see how we respond to certain situations, to to see how we interact with people, how we respond to people, and are we doing it with the love of Jesus that we say we have? They are watching us. We have got to be steadfast and firm in our faith. We've got to show love unconditionally to others. Now, I will tell you, there's one place that this always sort of tests me, and that's Walmart. I feel like that's probably a universal thought. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with Walmart. You know, I love it, but then there are times I really don't want to have to go to Walmart. But, you know, they took her Kmart away, so now I have to go to Walmart more. And so uh, just recently, my oldest daughter and I were in there, and we had just gone in to get a few things. You know how you go in just to get a few things. But we really did just have a few things this time, so we were able to hop in one of those 20 items or less checkout lines. But, you know, Walmart, they only had a few lines open at the time, and so there was quite a line in front of us, and then there was sort of a a big line gathering behind us, so we were kind of stuck, and I thought, well, we're not going to move lines at this point because we'll just have wasted time. And I couldn't figure out why on earth the, the, the line was moving so slow. 
And it was just this, this very sweet cashier that was up there just taking time, just scanning items, just sort of one at a time and bagging one item at a time. And it was just kind of putting the line behind. And I could tell the people behind me were getting aggravated. And the people in front of me, I could tell, were sort of turning around and, and getting aggravated too. And I really wanted to, to turn around and kind of make a snarky comment about how long it was taking. I wanted to roll my eyes. I wanted to sort of maybe huff and puff a little bit. I thought, that's justifiable. We've been in here long enough. I'm about done. You know, my daughter's growing more and more impatient as we're sitting there wondering why this is taking so long. And I thought, I'm going to just turn around and make a snarky comment, roll my eyes. I'm, somehow I'm going to let these people know that I, too, am aggravated that the line is so long. And just as I was about to do that, something stopped me. And it was the thought of, no, you're not going to do that because you're a representative and an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And we don't act like that. And I hate when he convicts me like that, like, you know, just so strongly. But he was right. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, I am a representative of Jesus Christ. And I should know more than anyone that Jesus died for that Walmart cashier. He did. He died for her. And even just a simple thing like that causes a ripple effect around me. And my six-year-old is there, and she's watching me. She's waiting for my response. And if I turn around and do something that's not a, a representation of Jesus, what does that tell her that it's okay to do? If we want our children and we want our grandchildren to treat others with love and kindness and respect and have compassion and love missions, they have got to see us do it first. We model the example. We need to let them see us serving other people, not just because it checks off a good Christian box, but because we are so in love with God's people that we want them to know him too. That's what they need to see. We need to see all people as people who Jesus died for because he did. What a wonderful opportunity that we have to do this through missions. That is what I love about missions because it does give us those opportunities to go and serve, just like at the bread basket, right here in our own community. Opportunities to go and serve, to be living proof of the gospel, to show people God's love, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. That is beautiful. That's what I love about missions. And there's another way that we can do this. Another way that we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus is to make disciples who make disciples. I love WMU for the way that they make disciples who make disciples. And it was read this morning that we want to challenge other people to be radically involved in the Great Commission. That is what we want to do. Men, women, children who want to be a part of making disciples who make disciples. I want to share a little bit uh, about our ministries very quickly and a little bit about two women that started working on WMU and who had such an impact on the work of WMU. And that is Fanny Heck and Sally Bailey Jones. Now, WMU has an offering every year that we take up, the Heck Jones offering. We get our support through our individual churches, through local churches, and that's how we get to do all the ministries that we get to do. But now these two women were so very brave and so obedient in starting the Women's Missionary Union. And they were young. 
when they started it. 16 and in the early 20s, I think that's amazing. To start a whole organization whose whole job is to get out there and get people involved in the Great Commission. On the next slide, you'll see some of our ministries, which we've actually talked a little bit about already this morning. These are just a few. I couldn't even fit them all on one slide. But these are some of the ways that we go out and make disciples who make disciples. That's through leadership training, through our missions conferences. We do um, Carolina Girls is a missions conference that we hold every other year for teen girls and their leaders. Carolina Women is for the women. Mission trips, which Claudia already talked a lot about this morning. Our Red Box ministry, which I'll talk about in just a minute. And our age levels. WMU, one of the reasons why I love WMU is because it spans the generations. It starts in preschool and it goes all the way up to adults. These are some of the ways that we get to make disciples through our military ministries. There's just an abundance of ways that we can go out and be hands and feet of Jesus and make disciples who make disciples. Those ministries provide us and they provide ultimately you the opportunity to go out and to serve and for you to be a part of making disciples who make disciples. I want us to look back at Paul for a moment. I think Paul really walked this out in obedience because he devoted much of his life to starting churches and equipping leaders to lead well. But you know, before we had Paul, the man who wrote the majority of our New Testament in God's holy word, we had Saul. And he was a man who persecuted the Christian church. He actually murdered those who believed in Jesus until he had a radical transformation through Jesus Christ. He tells us in Acts 9 that the, the scales actually were told that the scales fell from his eyes. And from that moment, he chose to live bold in faith. And look at the ways that God used Paul. He used him in amazing ways. But Saul was part of Paul. He had a past. He had a bad reputation. And people were afraid of him because of the things that he had done, and rightfully so. But a radical transformation with Jesus changed him forever. God set him apart for his mission. God pursued him. And he does the same for you. You know, when I think about Paul's life, I think about how often we let our past choices, sin, even our current struggles, define us for kingdom service. But God is the one who defines us and refines us for his service. So I think about the life of Paul, and I think about us, and I think about if for some reason you're thinking that there is some area of your life that's too dark for him, or maybe there's a past decision or a past regret that you have, Maybe even a time that you weren't obedient to him. If you don't remember anything else I say this morning, this will be the one thing I want you to remember. There is no place that God will not go for you. There is no place he will not go for you. He has been pursuing a personal relationship with you. And you don't have to be afraid to lay those hard seasons and those struggles down at his feet. Because we serve an unshakable God who pursues us in love. God can use you. He has a plan for you. He has a mission for you. And God gives us assignments in all ages and stages of our lives. You are never too young or never too old to have figured out what God has purposed for you to do. Our biggest calling is to follow him and to be obedient 
That might look different for you in different seasons of your life. But he has a mission field set for you. Run your race. Run on mission for him until the day that he calls you home. Don't give up now. Don't believe the lie that the enemy will often tell us that you've served your time or that you're not valued anymore or that God doesn't have a purpose for you. There's nowhere for you to serve him. You are wanted and you are needed for the kingdom of God. God has an assignment for you in this season. What is it? I have a wonderful example of this. Is anyone familiar with the Red Box Ministries that we do? Yes, good. So a Red Box Ministry is very similar to Operation Christmas Child, which I know y'all have a big part in. Um, it's basically a red box full of personal hygiene items and things like that that go to women who are incarcerated throughout North Carolina. It, they, in there has a little track, a little um, tells about the gospel, and there's a little note that just says, you know, that we love and we care about you from WMU of North Carolina. Well, Red Box Ministry started with one woman right here in North Carolina. It started because one WMU member from a church in Hamlet, North Carolina, called the state WMU office many years ago and asked if there was anything that the state office could do to help women who were incarcerated. There was a church member that had a sister who was incarcerated. And she wanted to know, could we do anything? And that's how Red Box Ministry began. And it's grown. Oh, it's grown. We send out over 2,000 Red Boxes every year to women who are incarcerated throughout North Carolina. 2,000 Red Boxes. Never underestimate what one person can do. That ministry has actually grown over the years. It's been 40 years now, and it's grown not only into Red Box Ministry, but a prison retreat that we do every year for women who are incarcerated. We have over 100 inmates, prison staff, and volunteers that come to this retreat, and decisions are made for Christ every year at this retreat because one woman made a phone call. She saw the mission field that was set before her. She saw a need that needed to be met, and now women are coming to Christ that may have never known him. What's the mission field that he has set before you? You have a lot of youth in here, which is great. Is it, as a student, you're on a mission field. As a nurse, as a teacher, as an IT specialist, as a factory worker, a worship leader, a parent, a grandparent, aunt, uncle, you name it, that's a mission field. He has a mission field that is set before you. And maybe it is the place that you go to every day. Or maybe it's the role that you fill every day. But it is a mission field nonetheless. How can you serve him right where you are? As we wrap up this morning, I want us to look back at the last part of this verse. And it talks about how we should keep working for the Lord, keep busy in our work for the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. Now, Paul isn't saying here to keep as busy as possible, meaning serve on every church committee that you can get your, get your hands on. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about being busy in the work that the Lord has purposed for you to do. It's important to remember that our labor is not in vain because we can get discouraged sometimes. I know that I do. I feel like my housework is in vain a lot of times because my children will come right behind me and, and just mess everything up. I feel like this as a parent sometimes when I have to get on to them about fighting or something like that. Haven't we gone over this before? I feel like it's in vain a lot of times. And I felt like that in ministry. 
I have felt like a lot of times that my work is in vain. You know, oftentimes when I speak, I'll have people come up to me afterwards and they'll talk about that they're really discouraged by the state of their WMU and their church or um, that their church is still struggling. They're trying everything they can. They're trying to revamp and add new programs and revitalize things to appeal to more people or bring younger people in. And they're struggling. And it is hard because I want to fix it because that is disheartening for me. I want to fix it right then and there, but I can't. But here's what I do know, and this is what I tell them. God is still on the throne, and he is still working, and he still has a plan for WMU. He is still using WMU to reach the nations. And sometimes I am in awe of the work that WMU does. WMU has a generational impact, and I am just honored to be a part of it, really. And if you want to know what kind of an impact WMU has on a life, you are looking at her right here. I would not be where I am today in my personal relationship with the Lord, not just my ministry, but in my personal relationship with the Lord, if it were not for women that labored within WMU, who mentored me, who guided me, who, sho- who shown me opportunities to serve and to show me really what missional living is like. That's the impact WMU has made on my life. And the reason why this verse in many translations starts off with the word, therefore, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, is because for 57 verses up until that point, Paul has been talking about the resurrection of Jesus. That's why our labor is never in vain. Because it doesn't rely on us. It's about Jesus and what we can do through him, what he does through us. So I want you to remember this. When you are feeling like your work is not in vain or that even when you're having a season where you feel like you're not useful to God, I want you to remember this. Noah preached for 120 years and never had a convert to faith, but God said he was faithful. William Carey was a missionary to India, and he didn't have his first convert to faith until he had been there for seven years. The mission board in England told him that he was a failure, And he could have believed them, and he could have quit after about year five or six, and then no souls would have been saved. Robert Moffat was a missionary to South Africa. He was there for 10 years before anyone was saved. William Wilberforce was in British Parliament. He worked for 48 years in government to abolish slavery. And he got very sick. And then on his deathbed, about three days before his death, they finally abolished slavery. But he had been trying for 50 years. He never really got to see the impact that his faith produced when he died. And that is the truth of it. We don't always get to see the fruits of our labor or the harvest from the seeds that we plant. But God wastes nothing. And our work, the work that we get to do for him, to glorify him, it is never in vain. It's never in vain. If we will unshakably pursue him, if we will stand firm in our faith, we will see him do immeasurable things in us and through us and for generations to come. This morning, as you go into your invitation time, I want you to think about how is God pursuing you in this season? How are you pursuing him? What is the mission field that he has set before you? And I want to leave you with these words from Fanny Heck, who our beloved offering is named after. She said these words in 1915, and it still stands true today, I think. 
See to it only that you listen to his voice and follow only where Christ leads. Be gentle in your personal lives, faithful and shining. Be joyful, knowing that his purposes are good and not evil to his children. Be patient and persistent in your fulfillment. Endeavor to see the needs of the world from God's standpoint. Plan not for the year, but for the years. And think long thoughts. Strive for the conversion of those around you as faithfully as you would the heathen. Train the children for worldwide service. Lead the young women gently in places of joyous responsibility. And finally, bring all of your powers into the best service of the best king. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, may we be a people who are unshakable, who stand firm in our faith, Lord. May you challenge us to see the mission field that is set before us. Show us how we should serve you. Guide us and lead us. Remind us constantly that we are to stand firm on your word and that it is living and active. I pray for this church, Lord. I pray over their ministries and their missions, Lord, how the unique way that they are serving our community right here in Lee County. I just pray blessings and abundance on this church, Lord. I pray that you will continue to impress on us the ways that we should pursue you in this season and see the mission field that you've set before us, Lord. May we glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.